Welcome everyone to another season of The Drop here Whoa. on ESPN. We are back and so are the fans, but they were rocking. <laughs> wow. Love and life. She is really fired up. This is one of my favorite moments of the preseason. Sidney yep. Crosby sees the fan, gives the puck. Look at what it means to him. That's amazing. That is absolutely incredible. Uh, a kid giving a kid a puck. You will never forget <laughs> this moment. He, he uh, can't really call him the kid anymore because he's playing well, the kid I'll, tonight. I'll tell you why you can't call Sidney Crosby a kid anymore. Do you know he has stately gray now? Like, he's not gone the full Ovechkin, yeah. but he has stately gray. Yeah. But he's always Sid the Kid. The Silver Fox transition Even is Even when he's playing a teenager, he's still Sid the Kid. Greg Wyshynski, Arto Ocal, very blessed to be here for nope. the start of season three of The Drop and the start of another NHL regular season. It begins with a triple header oh, on yeah. ESPN. We start right after us, 5.30 Eastern, an, a late afternoon game between the Predators and the Tampa Bay Lightning. The late game will be, we'll see the reigning champs raise the Stanley Cup banner against the Seattle Kraken at home. And yes, of course, the main event, Sidney Crosby, Eric Carlson, and the Pittsburgh Penguins. We'll be facing the new kid on the block, perhaps the new <laughs> phenom that we'll talk about at length on this show, yeah. Connor Bedard. How excited are you that the season is back? I'm excited the season's back. I'm excited to carve into the storylines of the season that we're going to be dealing with as the season progresses. Top one for me, Arda, yeah. without question, the Boston Bruins. Oh, my. I mean, the last time we all saw you guys on this very stage, we were talking about the Boston Bruins juggernaut. You know, it's not as if they would win the cup. It's how long it would take them to win the cup. And lo and behold, Arda, they did not win the cup. They did not win the first round. They were out in seven of the Florida Panthers. Uh, are they cooked is the question I think we're all asking. I asked Brad Marchand basically that very question, and he talked about how as long as they follow the Bruins' way, if they follow the blueprint left behind by Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci, as you see, that retired, they still have a chance to compete in this league. For me, the big thing, Jim Montgomery is your coach, Linus Allmark, Jeremy Swayman are your goalies, Hampus Lindholm, Charlie McAvoy are your defensemen. If you've got that as your foundation, Arda, you're going to be okay, I think. I think you're going to be quite all right. Even if the goaltenders regress, they're still going to have a great season. You can't keep a 930, 935 save percentage no, forever. Even a 918, 920 will be fine. But even if they lower in points, they're still going to be contending for a wild card spot. Rumors of their demise are sorely misunderstood. I totally great, that greatly quote, exagger they're greatly, greatly exaggerated. exaggerated. That's what it is. Uh, but also are we, misunderstood. Are we exaggerating? <laughs> When we say that Eric Carlson can truly help the Pittsburgh Penguins contend in the playoffs. Contend in the playoffs, that is not an exaggeration. Help them win a cup, probably an exaggeration. But I'm dying to see what Eric Carlson does. This obviously was the big gambit from the new GM because he searched for himself, Kyle Dubas, and discovered he's the guy <laughs> the job, uh, to get rid of all the deadweight contracts and then go get Eric Carlson for the San Jose Sharks. I talked to Mike Sullivan before the season. Again, the ability for him to play Carlson or Latang every time Crosby or Malkin is on the ice, a huge benefit. And putting them on the same power play, that's a real scary thing. Carlson's going to be a transformative player for them. When you can put up Latang and Carlson for most of the game, that's a real big deal. But when it comes to the playoffs, Arda, it ain't about Eric Carlson, baby. It's about Tristan Jari. Can Tristan Jari be your playoff goaltender? Because that's what it comes down to, too, for me. Great regular season goalie. Playoffs, yeah, not so much.
Speaking of goaltending, a lot of teams around the league were looking at one Connor Hellebuck, especially mm. recently mm. saying those comments about yeah. the city of Winnipeg. Well, guess what? That's put to bed, <laughs> and that changed my outlook completely on the Winnipeg Jets. Identical contracts for Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck. Look, I've said it for years, Arda. When a player's contract is up, where is he going to go? Where his stuff is? Hellebuck's stuff is in Winnipeg. <laughs> Shifley's stuff is in Winnipeg. But more to the point about Hellebuck in particular, I, I, I put out a, a, a column with bold predictions. 32 of them, in fact, Arda. No way. And now I'm only 31 away from being completely correct because Hellebuck resigning was one of those bold predictions. Uh, I, I, again, you got to remember the goalie market here. Like, where else is he going to find this contract? A, not everybody's looking for a goalie, right? And then B, the other thing is not everyone's going to look to sign a goalie to that kind of long-term contract. So I had a feeling he was going to stay in Winnipeg, and he ends up staying in Winnipeg. Big rookie class entering the NHL. Let's talk about everyone not named Bedard first. <laughs> All right, let's get at it. Logan Cooley of the Arizona Coyotes. That's my guy. I'm telling you, Logan Cooley has the opportunity here to do the thing that Alex Ovechkin did to Sidney Crosby during their rookie seasons. Everybody was on Crosby's tip before That's the goal season. Of the year, by the and then Ovechkin right. snuck in with highlights like this to steal the Calder away from Crosby. I think we got a situation where Cooley could win the points title, Bedard wins the goals title, and Cooley wins the Calder. But don't forget, we also have Adam Fantilli with the Columbus Blue Jackets. We've got Devin Levi tending goal for the Sabres. If Devin Levi finds a way to get the Buffalo Sabres back to the playoffs, he could potentially win Rookie of the Year as well. And let's not sleep on a little boy by the name of Jack Hughes. Brother Luke Hughes. <laughs> Thank I was you. like, where are you going with this? Jack Hughes for the Hart Trophy? Because that's my pick. The New Jersey Devils. I love Luke Hughes' game offensively. In fact, I said to him the other day, I said, Luke, tell me what you got to do as a, as a rookie in this league. And he said, look, I, I, I know I've, you know, he's, he's like, you know how, how good I am offensively. He's got to work on the defense. Sure. The man knows he's a good player. Speaking of offensive prowess, here are Connor Bedard's numbers in junior and how they stack up against other superstars in the NHL. You can see, we're going to show it to you in just a second here. Compared to Connor McDavid, he's in the vicinity. More than Taylor Hall, on par with Patrick Kane, and chasing Sidney Crosby. I mean, look, all of these names... McDavid and Crosby in particular, generational talents. Patrick Kane as well. Taylor Hall is going to literally play with Connor Bedard on the same line. This is one of the big reasons why he has so much hype coming into the Yeah. League. You know what's cool about the Bedard hype, by the way? What? I, it, it, it's, it answers the question I've always had, which is what if Connor McDavid had been drafted by an American team? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what we're seeing now is what would happen if McDavid didn't go to Edmonton. And it's a beautiful thing to see because Bedard has been all over the... Bedard was on the Pat McAfee show. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Shout out to Pat McAfee, by the way, doing hockey content. That is awesome. You love to see it. Go Penguins <laughs> on his behalf. Um, I will say this, though, before we get to our predictions on Bedard. I do not believe for one second that he has not eaten junk food in his life. I'm going to go on record and say this. Connor Bedard has had a French fry. Connor Bedard knows exactly what he needs to be, which is to ape other NHL players. And one of them is going to be Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon famously <laughs> will punch you in the face if you eat M&Ms. So he's just trying to follow in the footsteps of his idols. All right, we're going to play a little over-under on Connor Bedard's rookie season in the NHL. Over-under on goals, we're going to set it at 31 and a half. Uh, 31 and a half for me, I'm going to take the big time over. I think he hits at least 35 in his rookie season. Again, like the thing about Connor Bedard we know more than anything else is he's got that shot. It's a little bit like Austin Matthews in the sense that it's a little deceptive. But he can get off that shot in a variety of ways. He's being defended. 
Uh, I think it's clear he's going to be able to score at an NHL level in his rookie season. I have over 69.5 on points for the season. What say you? Uh, I'm going to go under on points only because it will complete my Logan Cooley theory that uh, he wins the points race. Fair enough. So this is a more selfish than me. <laughs> uh, when the team will make the playoffs with Connor Bedard on it, two and a half seasons, I have the over. I'll take the over as well because it, it took Ovechkin a few seasons to get there. It does take these rookies a few seasons because, you know, once you tear down a team, Arda, you got to build the team back up, and the Blackhawks were torn down to the foundations in order to secure the number one overall pick, but it worked. They got it. Maybe not a matter of if, but when Connor Bedard will win the Hart Trophy. Lofty <laughs> expectations, by the way. Four and a half seasons. Crosby was year two. Ovechkin, I believe, was year three. Uh, I'll, I'll take the, the under. Uh, for Bedard in four and a half seasons. The only reason I'm saying over is because Connor McDavid, the other Connor, yeah. I guess in this situation still exists. Over under, how many years does he spend in Chicago? Ah, oh, this is a good one. Uh, 14 and a half years. What do you, what do you think? I'm Whole gonna, career or not? I'm going to say under. You know, we are living in a time, we're living in a time of player empowerment. And I think that Bedard will be empowered to maximize his earning potential. By the time he's a, an unrestricted free agent artist, the cap could be up to like uh, $200 million in the NHL with the way it grows. So he'll want to maximize his earning potential. He'll leave as a free agent I'll at just, some point before 14 and a half years. Okay, I'll just take the over to be a contrarian. But those are all very, very good points. <laughs> From one Connor to another, you actually had a chance to speak with Connor McDavid I did, I did. at Media Day. Yeah, Connor McDavid and I stood by my laptop and I said, Connor... I want you to look at this goal you scored against the New York Rangers one-on-four, and I want to get inside the mind of one of the greatest athletes on earth. And he allowed me brief entry into his thought process. Connor McDavid is an absolute magician on the ice. McDavid against Morgan Riley. What a move! What a play! What a goal! Connor McDavid! But have you ever been curious about what goes through his mind when he's skating through baffled opponents? and embarrassing opposing goaltenders on highlight reels? What is he seeing? What is he hearing? What is he thinking? Can Connor McDavid explain the inexplicable? I caught up with Connor recently, fired up a clip of one of McDavid's masterpieces, his one-on-four goal of the year against the New York Rangers from 2021, and I asked the magician to reveal his tricks. I'm dying to know what goes through your head during a goal like this? Like, when you get the puck here, what's the thought? This is going to probably uh, ruin it for a lot of people, but there's not a lot that goes on, and I'm just trying to... There's four guys there, but I'm trying to take one guy on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're not even paying attention to no. these three guys here. No. You're looking at that guy right no. there. Do you know that these three guys are here? Yeah, but they're all in such, like, weird positions that they can't really do anything. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like... This is a one-on-one. -on -one. I know it goes through, like, there's lots of sticks and stuff like that, but it's a one-on-one -on -one is kind of what, what I think. So when you go into your dangle, when you yeah. start moving around the guy, yeah. what is the thought? The thought is, I need to do this to get around this guy, or is it more of an instinctual, natural reaction to what he's doing at that it's, point? Yeah, I would say it's more of, like, a no way am I, like, five seconds earlier being like, okay, I'm going to put it through a stick twice and then go to the inside. It's just, like, just doing whatever you can to get by him. Okay. You know, he gets moving one way, you want to go the other. That's kind of basically it. All right, so you're moving around him, and then this poor guy, this poor goalie that you're about to post the yeah. What are you thinking at this point? That's more just like instinct. I would say the goal, like the move on the goalie, because they're kind of coming in with momentum. I don't know how to explain that one. That one's more, more kind of a feeling than it is anything else. Right. So you score a goal like that, 
and everybody's very happy and you're pumped up. Do you realize what you've just done? I mean, this one in particular, I, I felt like it was a nice goal, you know? Sometimes you score a goal that doesn't feel that nice yeah. and it looks great on camera. Sometimes you score a goal that you think is nice and doesn't look that great on camera, but this one seemed to check both boxes. And when you do look back at these goals, are you doing it to break stuff down to see what you did? Or do you sometimes have to just look back at moments like this and like, feel good about life, you know, uh, things aren't going good. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of that sometimes, like a good reminder of what you can do. I would say I learn more from the goals that like are the weird ones or the thinking ones. These ones are kind of just ones that happen. They're kind of just one-offs, but you can definitely learn from, from some goals that are scored for sure. McDavid, beautiful move. My favorite part of that conversation is when Connor admits that he can't really explain what he does to that Rangers goalie to finish off the play. It's one of the things I love about McDavid or Sidney Crosby or Mario Lemieux or Wayne Gretzky, that this pantheon of hockey gods do things that they can't really comprehend. That even if we know every sleight of hand and every card trick, there's always something supernatural about their magic. Well, one thing's for sure, Connor McDavid, ain't going anywhere. Of course he's not, Arda. They hired his agent to run the team in Edmonton. That certainly helps. <laughs> Speaking of agents, the agents of these players were certainly busy in the offseason. These are old faces in new places in the National Hockey League. And as we like to do here on The Drop, season three, by the way, we like to rank. We like to put things in order. We're going to do it here from six to one. So in terms of biggest impact, this list at the bottom here, what do you have at number six? Number six for me is Ryan O'Reilly, going from Toronto to Nashville. Didn't fancy him as a top-line center, but lo and behold, he's back in that spot again with the Nashville Predators. We'll bring some class and, more importantly, some team defense to the proceedings, Arda. Of course, Stanley Cup champion with those St. Louis Blues. Tried to win one with the Toronto Maple Leafs, but say, you know what? I'm going to dip. I'm going to go to a different team. Number five. <laughs> number five for me is Taylor Hall on the Chicago Blackhawks. Not only for the skill he will bring to a team that could probably use a little bit more talent up front, but also because he's done this before with a Connor. He was Connor McDavid's roommate when Jesus was a rookie in Edmonton, and now he gets to be the Obi-Wan Kenobi to the Padawan learner that is Connor Bedard. Score a lot of goals, he will. <laughs> Who's number four? <laughs> number four for me is going to be uh, Alex Dabrinkit of the Ottawa Senators. Now, Dabrinkit for me is an interesting one because I have a feeling that Alex Dabrinkit uh, for the, going from the Ottawa Senators, rather, to the uh, Detroit Red Wings. He's going to score a lot of goals this year playing with Dylan Larkin. I think he's a good pickup for them. He's going to increase their offense. They're in that pack, Arda, where you've got Buffalo and Detroit and Ottawa. Is he going to be the guy going from Ottawa to Detroit to boost the Red Wings into the playoffs? I mean, on paper, the Senators look great, but Dabrinkit might have some life. And I'd like to apologize to Alex Dabrinkit. That is not intentional. Being firmly <laughs> behind Taylor Hall there, not intentional whatsoever. Who's at number three? Number three for me, PLD Pierre-Luc Dubois. Think of the center depth that the LA Kings have now. Anche Kopitar, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Philip Deneau behind them. This is a guy that might elevate the Kings into, well, well, maybe just beat the, the Oilers in the playoffs. Maybe they could finally beat the Oilers finally, in the playoffs. Finally, yeah, maybe right, yeah. finally. Scary depth on that LA Kings squad. Number two. Number two for me is going to be Tyler Toffoli. You and I discussed this list a little bit beforehand. You're very high on Toffoli. Very high. Toffoli is going to probably play with Jack Hughes in the top line of the Jersey Devils. Again, 
What did we see from the Devils in the playoffs against a team like the Carolina Hurricanes? They got to find a way to get that goal in a close game in the playoffs, and baby Tyler Toffoli might be the guy to get it. Tyler Toffoli was a leader on the Flames. Jack Hughes, in my opinion, cracking 100 points, first time in Devils history. Tyler Toffoli, same line. He's going to be a big key to that. That line is going to be dynamite this season. I can't wait. Number one. Number one, obviously. Who else is it going to be? The mighty pirate himself, Eric Carlson, going from the San Jose Sharks <laughs> to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mike Sullivan, like I said before, told me you got a chance to play Latang and Carlson whenever Crosby or Malkin are on the ice. You get one of those guys out there to play with him. I don't think last year's uh, season offensively is an aberration. This guy is prepared to finally make it a big-time run at the cup in his career. Eric Carlson, obviously the most impactful uh, old face in a new place that we've seen this offseason. And the Pittsburgh Penguins, as a result, might have the most impactful power play this year because oh, that, that, yeah. that five is going to be incredible. Now, you might be looking down here, Leafs fans in particular, and being like, hey, Max Domi, how come he didn't factor into this list? He's going to make a big impact for the Toronto Maple Leafs this year. We agree, and we actually had a chance to talk to him. Very happy to be joined here on the drop on ESPN by Max Domi player for the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, and the season just around the corner starting Tuesday, October 10th. The regular season begins in the NHL and Max Domi now with a new team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Max, thank you for taking the time uh, right as the season gets started to join us here. Um, actually, I'm going to start with some big breaking news. Uh, there was a trade recently, the Toronto Maple Leafs trading Sam Lafferty. Sam Lafferty wore number 28. Your dad wore number 28. I'm just curious, does this change uh, what number you may or may not be wearing with the Leafs uh, come season start? No, absolutely not. I'm, I'm wearing 11. Um, there's no changing that. And it's uh, it's the toughest part of the business, man. I mean, last really good buddy of mine, I was super excited to, to play with him again. I put up him in Chicago for the Blackhawks and became real tight. Um, spent a lot of time together in the first month or two here during training camp and was super excited to get started with them. But it's the toughest part of the business, man. It it, uh, it sucks when you, when you see guys like that get traded, especially good buddies of yours. So um, excited for his opportunity in Vancouver, but going to miss him a lot. For sure. Now, you've played with five teams in four seasons, which means you're wanted, which is always a good thing in this league. But one thing I've always been curious about you, Max, is that when you walk into a new locker room, what's it yeah. like? H how do you go about bonding with your new teammates mm -hmm. when you're the new guy in town? I've always been curious that, about that with you. It's a great question, man. Um, and, and you know what? There's there's pros and cons of everything in life, you know. But uh, playing on a lot of teams, that the, the con is uh, moving around and not really getting settled and uncomfortable and not. But the, the pro, which outweighs that by a billion, is you get to meet so many cool people, man. Like get to play with a lot of cool teammates, uh, lots of new staff members, whether it's the medical side of staff and the equipment side or, or the media staff, whatever it might be, and a lot of different coaching staff. So you, you can you can learn so much in such a condensed period of time. And, and I've really enjoyed it. I've, I've been lucky, man. I've played in some of the best cities in our league. And um, now to be home in Toronto is, is, is pretty surreal. So overall, it's it's uh, it's been pretty easy for me. I, I guess like if you have the right personality to handle that kind of stuff, um, I mean, I can get along with anyone and um, wear my heart on my sleeve. So I, I enjoy getting to meet new people. And um, that's just, uh, I guess, part of who I am. But um, I can see the other side of why it might be tough on some guys. Do you is it easier when a group of you enter the locker room new for the first time in the off season or when you're the one yeah. guy that comes in during a trade or something like that? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I think either way, it, it's fine. Like our league is, is 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 super well known for 
having great people that play in it. Um, I mean, hockey players are great dudes. I'm sure you guys have met a lot of them over the years. And uh, not that other athletes aren't, but I might be biased a little bit. I, I just think uh, as a whole, hockey guys are just the coolest, most humble guys you'll meet. So um, when you're a new guy coming to the locker room, um, they, well, they welcome you with open arms and um, they go to the way to make you feel uh, at home and they feel comfortable. So uh, I've been real lucky, man. Uh, a lot of great leadership groups that I've come, come into and, um, a good blend of younger guys too that are always just super excited to play with you and make you feel at home. Cool. Wanted to run something by you that an NHL yeah. executive told me the other day. So I'm talking to this guy and he's like, he's talking about the Leafs' toughness, and he's like, in the okay. past they've had guys that could punch you in the face. You know, they had their Wayne Simmonses and players like that. They had guys that could fight, and obviously they still have them now. He said what they lacked was that Max Domi type that. In January, on a random Tuesday, when it's like kind of a low-key, middle-of-the-season game, that guy's going to get on the ice, and every single shift, he's going to give them energy, he's going to give them grit, he's going to do something to spark them during the doldrums of a season. Is that how you see your role? And if not, how do you see your role with the Leafs this season? <laughs> I appreciate that. I'll take that as a, as a pretty big compliment. But, um, I mean, January games are important. I mean, every game's important. But the ones that... that that are the most are the ones that come in in April and, and May and hopefully June. Um, so those are the, those are the games that I'd like to, to to be known to step up in and um, been lucky to play on some some great teams that have had some nice runs here, but ultimately came up short. And um, that's that's the primary focus is is getting to that next level and, and helping this team get over the hump and um, whatever that takes and whatever I'm asked to do, I'm prepared to do that. And um, I want to win just as bad as anyone. And, and this group in here is super hungry to do so. And just looking forward to the journey and it starts with Wednesday morning or Wednesday night. It's going to be a great test against Montreal. Um, love, love playing against the Habs and I'm just, uh, I'm just pumped to get started, man. I'm just happy. I don't have to see Ty Domi in a Habs uniform. That still haunts <laughs> me when you were playing there. That one image of you guys at center ice. Now you can be uh, in a Leafs uniform. I grew up in Toronto. So obviously I oh, love nice, seeing nice. you. Yeah. I love seeing you uh, in the town where your father is royalty. Like what, what, what is it? What is that like? Like that's a new wrinkle, right? Like now you're where I'm sure a lot of people come up to you and say, man, I watched your dad play. Your dad was my favorite player. Like what, how are you uh, enjoying uh, being in Toronto and, and specifically where your dad uh, played his heart out uh, in his career? You know, it, ha it hasn't changed much. Um, I'm in my ninth year now, so uh, played played World Juniors here in Toronto. I think that that was uh, a big thing with the hockey fans here. So um, kind of used to that walking around the city and then people kind of knowing who you are, whatnot. But uh, I grew up around it, man. So it's it's no different than than what I grew up as as a kid. And um, I think the exciting part is is just the fact that I get to wear the jersey that I grew up. Uh, I mean, dreaming of, of wearing and um, watching my dad and, and seeing him and Matt Sundin play every night wearing the blue and white was, was something that I always kind of envisioned and, and dreamt of. And um, I mean, the countless hours of, of, of road hockey or mini sticks, I kind of think in your playing for the Maple Leafs as a kid from Toronto is um, now coming to fruition. So it's uh, it's pretty surreal, man. It's it's wild. But um, that, that's kind of, I'm not saying it's going to wear off because it probably will never wear off, but you got to stay locked in and ready to go and uh, focus on the task at hand, which is, is winning hockey games. So uh, once we get the ball rolling here and the puck drops, it's, it's not going to stop and games start to blend together. And it's a long haul, man. It's, it's a long, long run. You guys know what it's like. Um, you do the same <laughs> sort of, um, we're just looking forward to start it. I, I want to say one thing. Uh, your uh, Ty's Instagram is like 
my favorite thing. He's living his best life, Max. Like every he time is. he's either smoking totally a cigar is. or he's at a concert or he's with Tom Brady. Like yeah. he just has like the coolest like athlete life in retirement. He he's a cool dude. He he's he's one of the best men and, and and he made a living on it for sure. There's a reason why people uh so many people love him. Um just obviously he is who he is and he's not gonna change that depending on who he's talking to and, and people respect him for that. So um I know he's as excited as anyone else is uh, for me to be home and um real proud dad moment obviously and the, the hockey the hockey dad side of things kicks kicks in and, and he just can't wait he, he doesn't miss many games he's he's been the biggest super fan of every team i played on and, and now for me to be playing on the same team that he played for for 13 years or whatever it was um he, he's over the over the moon right now so i'm looking forward to it and uh, he'll be at the first game for sure now I got to ask you about growing up as a Leafs fan. I mean, I know Arda has had this vision himself. If he could skate a little faster, if his shot was a little more accurate growing up playing for the Leafs and breaking the yeah. drought since 1967, looking for their first Stanley Cup win since then, you had to have thought about this, Max. You had to have thought about what it could be like to be part of the group that breaks the drought. They won a playoff round last year. Everybody thinks they're going to be a contender. How have you envisioned that? What would it mean to you to help your childhood team break this cup drought? Well, I mean, everything. I mean, I think that's why we all play hockey is, is, is to win the Stanley Cup. Um, doesn't matter where you're playing. That's We show up to work every day just like you guys do, and there's one common goal. Everyone wants to win the cup and to make the playoffs. There's, there's only 16 teams that do that. And then all of a sudden, you have the second round and the third round and the Stanley Cup finals. Like It just slowly starts to wean teams out, and it's the toughest uh, – trophy and, and sports to win for, for a reason. And um, this group here has done just an incredible job of building a, a certain culture that um, has high expectations and um, a high standard that they hold everyone accountable to. And um, to be a part of that is, is, is pretty exciting, man. And um, we keep a lot of the stuff that we, we talk about in, in our goals and stuff in, in house, but ultimately, yeah, of course, we, we show up to work every day to, to try and win a Stanley cup and, and that's not going to change. Um, a long long road so you got to be where the two feet are and you can't get too far ahead of yourself but that's that's the ultimate goal for sure max last question for me and you've been very generous with your time we really appreciate it um you wrote a book about this um you wrote a book called no days off my life with type 1 diabetes and journey to the nhl yeah. uh that's remarkable just the idea that you have to go through something every single day that disrupts your routine or is essentially part of your routine but being an athlete at the very top level of the sport that you choose i mean I know that uh, we can pick up the book and read it in detail, but I would just love to hear from your words here now. Like, what are some of the challenges that you face every single day that we as fans, we only see you on the ice playing. What are some of the things that you're yeah. doing behind the scenes that you have to even get yourself to a level where you can step on the ice and play as you, um, you know, continuously live with type 1 diabetes? Yeah, well, as a type 1 diabetic, first and foremost, uh, my pancreas doesn't secrete insulin. So um, there's type 1 and type 2. I'm a type 1. And it's a genetic uh, vibe, and I was diagnosed when I was 12 years old, so I rely on manually uh, injecting myself with insulin every single day, um, anywhere, I mean, every meal for sure, and then a couple other times on top of that, and I'm constantly monitoring my glucose levels, um, whether it's through pricking my finger, wearing a CGM, I wear a Dexcom, um, which goes to my phone, so the technology nowadays has come a long way, <clears throat> but like every single thing I do, the, the first thing I think about is how is this going to impact my glucose levels, and, and what's going to happen in the next two hours or so, and um, I think I'm so used to it now, but when you get diagnosed at, at 12 years old, you're still pretty young. Um, it forces you to be pretty 
uh, in tune with your body, uh, very responsible, and, and on top of things, you got to be super disciplined as well. So all those things kind of align with being a pro pro athlete. Uh, doesn't matter what sport you're playing, you got to do all those things. You got to make certain sacrifices and and have and the all in mentality to to reach your goal of, of being a professional. Um, so the, the blessing in disguise for me was was kind of getting forced into that at a young age, um, just because my health relied on it. Um, and uh, now to this day, it's a whether it's the the off season training, the the sleep, the, the hydration, all that stuff that <clears throat> really forces you to or you get forced on uh, forced upon you as as a pro athlete. I have to do it anyways. Um, so it's it's not it's it's not easy by any means. It's it's very challenging for sure. Um, but it's something that. Uh, I live with every single day, and here I am living out my, my dream of playing in the NHL. And um, I, I was lucky enough to meet a gentleman by the name of uh, Bob Clark, um, who was the captain of the Philadelphia Flyers back in the day and uh, wore the C, was number 16, <clears throat> won multiple Stanley Cups. And he was also a type one, way, way, way before uh, we had access to the, the stuff we do now, whether it's the CGMs, the, the insulin pumps, or, or whatever it might be. Um, and, and he lived out his dream. He's still living a healthy life right now. And I've been lucky enough to talk to him a couple of times, but when I was super young, just recently diagnosed, he, he took a few minutes out of his day to come in and say hello. Um, and you mentioned it earlier, my, my, my dad knows some pretty cool people like Tom Brady, Mark Wahlberg, all these big names. Um, so being starstruck has never really been something that I've been, I mean, around my whole life. Um, all these guys just are, are normal people to me. And when I met Bob Clark, my, my jaw hit, hit the floor. Um, Cause I was like, Oh my God, like that's my hero. Like, this guy is doing what I'm trying to do. And despite having type one and um, just him taking those 30 seconds out of his day to, to come say what's up to me. Um, I said, you know what, if I ever make the NHL, I'm going to try and do the same thing for as many kids possible because that would get me through those tough days. And um, that's why I wrote the book um, just because it's impossible. There's 24 hours in the day, seven days in a week. Um, uh, you, you can't reach out to everyone. So that was something that meant a lot to me. And, and again, I'm lucky enough to be living out my childhood dream of playing in the NHL, especially for the Toronto Maple Leafs now. And, I just wanted to, to touch that, touch as many people's lives, uh, whether it's the individual little boy or little girl or, or the parents and, and, and let them know that um, I can relate to them. I'm cheering them on and then they got this, you know, despite having type one, they can live out their dream and do whatever they want to do. And Bobby Clark and the Domies, that's a Thanksgiving table I'd like to sit at for the stories that <laughs> could be too. spun at that table. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I even knock my teeth out to look like I'm a little bit. <laughs> I was going to say, you can do the smile and it, it's like almost a spitting image yeah. of Bobby Clark. I love yeah. it. Crazy. Yeah. Max, you're the best for doing this. We wish you the best of luck this season with the Leafs. We always want the Boy, best for the Leafs, you. man. Always want the best for the I Leafs. And, and you're the best, man. All right, guys. Take care. Coming in hot with our interviews, we interviewed Max Domi and also before that, Corey Schneider, who recently retired from the NHL. Both of those are available in our archives. We are twice weekly now in audio podcast form. Guess oh, who's back? No Audio podcast, you can talking hockey. Put me in your ears while you're walking your dog in the morning. How exciting is that, people? Wherever you find them, Apple Podcasts, <laughs> Spotify, Google Podcasts, also on the NHL and the ESPN YouTube twice a week, The Drop. Now, we have a very special announcement for you. You may have noticed, if you're a hockey fan watching this show, maybe as part of your morning routine like me, you play a certain game called Puck Doku. It's one of my favorite things out there. I love how it's blown up in the hockey world. This is today's Puck Doku, curated by Wish and I, oh. The Drop. Thank you to the Puck Doku friends of ours for letting us do this. But we have a very special announcement for all of you Puck Doku heads. We have decided to partner with Puck Doku to create the single most difficult <laughs> 
Beautiful Puck Doku ever. This is a master Doku, the first in its series, and the theme of it is ESPN analysts. I know a lot of you who play this game love to be rare and find those unique wow. answers, 0.1%. If that's you, well, good luck, because some of these literally only have one answer. Good luck. It's live now on PuckDoku.com. The, the, the Ray Ferraro PK Subban one is vexing me already. They're vexing me already. Some of them have three answers. Others have one. We're going to have a lot of PuckDoku content throughout the season on our podcast, as we mentioned. We thank them very much for partnering. It's a lot of fun. Uh, definitely go and check it out. It's live right now. You'll also want to check out, of course, the triple header tonight. Hey. There it is. We begin with the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Nashville Predators. Let's dive into these three games right now. Before they get started, puck drop, 5.30 Eastern, game number one on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. What are you looking forward to from those two teams? Well, the first game in particular is interesting to me because my predictions, man. I've got the Nashville Predators as a playoff team in the Central Division. And even before Andre Vasilevsky was injured for the Tampa Bay Lightning, I had him missing the playoffs. I feel at some point the atrophy, the loss of talent in that lineup. If you look at their supporting cast now versus a couple of years ago when they played for the Cup, they're unrecognizable. So... Uh, I'm intrigued to see if the top players on this Tampa team can A, overcome the loss of their star goalie, and B, carry this team to a playoff spot when I have my doubts about their playoff future. Where did you have the Lightning? Tampa, to me, have very University of Alabama vibes. <laughs> History of championships, fantastic, legendary coach, but recent losses have people wondering. <laughs> Roll bolts! Roll, yeah, exactly. Roll bolts! Uh, how about the main events, of course, the Chicago Blackhawks, Pittsburgh Penguins? I just love the idea of starting the season, starting this game, yeah. the second game. Game with Bedard and Crosby at the faceoff circle. Monumental. And all, yeah, especially because Crosby was Bedard's idol growing up. I mean, it is that magic moment for this kid. And again, I am just so happy that Connor Bedard can now focus on the thing he wants to focus on, which is regular season games. I think this kid got tired of answering the same questions about what does a successful season for you look like and all that other stuff. Sure. Now he can show you what a successful season looks like if you're Connor Bedard. And again, the beautiful thing about Sidney Crosby. Sure, he doesn't want to be upstage with this kid on opening night. You know what I on mean? On opening night, yeah, where exactly. the spotlight is shining bright. <laughs> By the way, our interview with Corey Schneider, he had a fantastic answer on what makes Connor Bedard's shot so deceptive. Yeah. Like, and, and just the new crop, Austin Matthews, Connor Bedard, and what they do with their sticks yeah. to make the shot so deceiving and why it's so difficult for goaltenders. That's in our archives. What about the late game, the Vegas Golden Knights? Raise the banner, then they face the Kraken. It is the Expansion Bowl. It's the Expansion Bowl and also a preview of the Winter Classic as well. You know, we're going to talk about this on the drop on Thursday a little bit, but are we sleeping a little bit on the Vegas Golden Knights? I hope you weren't sleeping on uh, during Monday Night Football when they were there with the Sam. Oh, not at all. Cool. And Jack Eichel appearing on, on stage. And Very everything. cool. So I, I think, you know, we've seen a couple of repeat champions, obviously with the Penguins and with the Tampa Bay Lightning in recent years. I don't think there's a real reason why the Knights couldn't also be a repeat champion. I know we're a little bit worried about whether Aiden Hill is going to turn into a pumpkin and not be able to be the goalie that he was in the playoffs for them. But again, when Riley Smith is really your only primary loss from last year's team and you return Eichel and Marcheseau and Theodore and Peter Angelo and all these guys, uh, why are we not all picking the Golden Knights to repeat? It's, it's crazy to think because there's so many other storylines that we're focusing on. Yeah. It's like maybe we should focus on the cup champs. Yeah, a little bit. I don't know. Uh, we did some predictions uh, in our 
shows leading up to the regular season on the drop, so we're just going to show them to you right now. This is how we think the Atlantic will shake down. Yeah, you're a Sabres guy, I'm a Senators guy, never the twain shall meet. I think the, the Senators could be one of those teams with good goaltending and one line that carries them to their first playoff appearance since I think 2017. Mm. The force is strong in Devin Levi. Here's the Metro. <laughs> yeah, we both got the Devils over the Canes. Uh, it's going to be a great year for the Devs. And you, in fact, believe that Jack Hughes could win MVP. I do. He is my Hart Trophy sleeper pick. I also believe the Blue Jackets might do a little better uh, than people are thinking. They're one or two pieces away, I believe, to being a wild card team. Here's the Central. Yeah, I'm an Avalanche guy. You're a Stars guy. Uh, you really love the Predators more than I do. I think the Minnesota Wild are the quintessential pencil them in for 100-plus points team. And uh, you and I both believe the Yotes are going to outkick their coverage a little bit on this uh, season. Roman Yossi's a handsome man. What can I say? <laughs> and the Pacific. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, you believe the Kraken will be back. I believe in the playoffs. I have the Canucks over the Kraken and the Calgary Flames. Uh, I made that pick before a injury on the blue line. That has me a little nervous, but I do think at the end of the day, Elias Pettersson will be in the conversation for MVP. In fact, I think there's a chance he could do the Ryan O'Reilly special Arda, yeah. win the Selkie as the de facto MVP award like O'Reilly did for the Blues a couple years ago. Speaking of MVPs, our MVP is retiring from ESPN. He has a Parkinson's diagnosis. Uh, he is the face of tel uh, hockey on American television. He has been for a very, very long time. Coached the Los Angeles Kings, played in the NHL. Uh, we will do a deep dive on the career of Mer Barry Melrose uh, on Thursday's edition of The Drop. I've spent a lot of time with him, especially doing In the Crease for the last several years. I've had the pleasure of hanging out with him. He's a beauty. He is a beauty. Should be in the Hall of Fame, too. Absolutely should be in the Hall of Fame. So enjoy the triple header and also enjoy the brand new season of Shorzy dropping Friday, October 27th on Hulu. If you're a hockey fan, you absolutely love Letterkenny and Shorzy season two is coming. And we here on The Drop have an exclusive trailer to present to you. How you feeling? I'm still drunk. Do you want to be the best team in the league this year? or the best team in the league ever. Seriously, Nat, I want that record, but like there's an impossible amount of good-looking girls in Sudbury. I'll get them focused. You got a decade on these guys. Why do you still do it? This team will never lose again.